We're glad to be sharing the ministry of Redemption Church with you. Now join us as we receive the Word of God. Hello, praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be together tonight? I'm so glad. Welcome back, everyone, to Redemption Church in Plano, Texas. My name is Chris Fluitt. And last week, we talked about two dangerous myths of mental health. I want to remind you of those two myths. Here's number one. Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. It was number one. Number two is that God doesn't care about your mental health. Are we working? What you were trying to... I'm not on? Okay. You. All right. So, it's on. I'm going to tell you, test someone. Testing. Test. Test. I guess we're having trouble. All right. I hear it. Welcome, everybody, to Redemption Church. <laughs> Excellent, guys. We've had such tech problems. Let me just say this to, uh, to our tech team that I know is watching live stream right now. I miss you, Cortez family, so much. Let's clap for the Cortez family. We love you so much. Y'all can never miss again. <laughs> and then really quick, I, let's just take a moment. Because one of our dear sisters, Cleta, Cleta Alexander, who's always up here singing praise to God. She got terrible news about her father's health. So while we're, we'll just show the devil. We're going to have tech uh, issues. Let's just pray for a moment. Yeah. All over this house, could you stand to your feet if you can? And I want you to reach up to heaven. And I want you to pray for Cleta's father. His name is James Alexander right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for James Alexander. I pray for healing in his body. I pray for, for peace in his family, God. I pray for the will of God to be done. Lord, in Jesus, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray that the will of heaven would come into Cleta's family right now. That you would lift up Cleta. That you'd lift up her sister, Jamie. That you'd lift up her brother, Sean. That you'd lift up that entire Alexander family and their church, God, in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, God, Lord, that you'd move, God, and that you'd minister, and that you would get all the glory for it. Clap your hands if you want God to get all the glory for it. We give him the glory in advance in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And somebody said amen. amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, now I feel a little bit better. I feel ready to preach. Look out, devil. All right. All right. Since we're on and everybody can hear me, we're going to just back up a second. Is that all right? We're going to back up. There are two myths that we covered last week. N myth number one is Christians shouldn't struggle with mental health. That's a real thing, y'all. That's a real myth in churches. The second myth is like it, that God doesn't care about your mental health. We want you to know that mental health is biblical and godly as a topic. We're not afraid to talk about it at all because we see it in the word. We know that it's a godly issue. Somebody say amen if you agree. Amen. All right, good. That's at least most of y'all. All right. You are in a safe place to talk about your struggle. Can we get real about that? Church ought to be the safest place to talk about your struggle. If you're worried, if you're depressed, if you're angry, if you've been hurt, if you feel let down, if you are worried about the future, this ought to be the safest place to talk about that. If you're like, I'm kind of worried about the economy. 
come talk about it. I'm kind of worried about what, what I believe about the Word of God. This is the safest place for you to go. Stop Googling about it. Come to the house of God. Come to the people of God and be willing to talk about your struggle. I wish we were so passionate about that 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 got a hand clap. This ought to be a place you can talk about your struggle. I'm serious about it. Remember this verse, and I want you to use it as a prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about anxiety. Somebody say anxiety. anxiety. I read on the... That anxiety is an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. People with anxiety disorders usually have reoccurring intrusive thoughts or concerns. They may avoid certain situations out of worry. They may also have physical symptoms such as sweating, trembling, dizziness, or a rapid heartbeat. So we're going to unpack this today. We're going to talk about anxiety. Now let me tell you, I'm not a mental health professional, but I want to bring to you a very spiritual perspective on this issue today. Is anybody with me today? Yeah. Very good. We're going to be turning to Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 6. You can't talk about anxiety without mentioning this verse. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. No, there's not a question mark in the Bible. But when I read this sometimes, I feel a little questioning about that. Can I get real with you? Is that even possible, God? Do not be anxious about anything. What's going on here? Don't be anxious. A little anxious? Can we, can maybe there, I can think about a few things that maybe, maybe God would be okay with it being anxious. I'm, I've always been a little torn about this part of the verse. And we're talking about politics. Does that make anybody anxious? <laughs> War, debt, inflation, sickness. Loneliness, job stress, marriage, children, health, health challenges, the Dallas Cowboys upcoming season, reason after reason to be anxious. And the word says, don't be anxious about anything. In 2019, two out of three Americans, somebody say two out of three. Gosh. Two out of three Americans said they were anxious or extremely anxious. What year did I say? I said 2019. A lot has happened since 2019. That's pre-COVID pandemic, right? All right. In 2019, before COVID struck and everything got topsy-turvy, right? Before that struck, two out of three Americans said they were anxious or extremely anxious. Anxiety at this point in time, in 2023, might be at an all-time high 
in culture. Not just here, worldwide. Especially in our younger generation. Can I talk to our younger generation? Younger generation, we love you. I want to talk to you. 91% of high school and college students report consistent, reoccurring, significant levels of anxiety associated with stress. 91%. That means if you lined up 100 high schoolers and college students, only nine of them would say, yeah, I never felt any of that. 91% have a consistent, significant struggle with anxiety. Our younger generation is the most anxious in history. And I don't think I would get much pushback on such a statement. They are overeducated yet underemployed. They have crushing debt, rising inflation, rising rent, and home costs. They keep postponing their life. That's a mark of our younger generation. They, they are always postponing their life. They're postponing their marriage. They're postponing having children. They're postponing buying a house. They're postponing living a life. They feel that they have no clear path to success, to the success of previous generations. And all this leads to what? What do you think? Anxiety. I think I should use this in my sermon. That's really good points. Yeah, they, they feel anxious. Easily 91%, if not more, of our younger generation. We will be a church where people with anxiety can come. They can talk about their worry and they can find comfort here and they can find wisdom here. They will not be judged as not having enough faith for opening up and talking about their worries. Can I tell you sometimes it takes faith to open up and talk about your worries. What takes no faith is to sit there, give a fake amen to the sermon, give the cursory, I'm just praying quietly, and walk out with every bit of doubt that you walked in with and never address it and never talk about it, never bringing it up at a connect group. I'm telling you, that's the real danger. The, what is wonderful is when someone has enough faith to open up and say, yeah, I'm kind of struggling. Let's try that really quick. Anybody lift up your hand if, yeah, I've kind of struggled lately. Yeah, 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 I kind of struggle. Usually I keep all my struggling on Mondays. Nope, this Sunday has been what? Red flag struggle time. Struggle session, struggle session. We've had it, we've had it, we've had it. Whoa, you should have been here at 4, 8, 4 o'clock today. We were trying to get it all together. Oh, and I was like, oh my gosh. Don't have anxiety as you're about to preach about anxiety. This is a safe place. This is a safe place. Can you look at somebody and say, this is a safe place. Hey, I want to be a safe person you can talk to. And I don't want to ever, I want you ever talk to me, uh, not talk to me because you, you're afraid I'm going to judge you. I want to remind you that getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It is a sign of wisdom. Do y'all remember that? The subject of fear and anxiety is complex. We all have experienced fear, anxiety, and stress. Every single one of us. And we are all on what experts call an anxiety spectrum. The low end of the spectrum includes some anxiety, occasional uneasiness, and discomfort caused by stress. That's on the low end. 
you're on this spectrum somewhere. That's the low end. You know, sometimes I struggle. That's that that's that low end right there. We're talking things that are kind of circumstantial would would rise our anxiety levels. We're talking homework. We're talking stress. We're talking you were asked to give a work presentation in front of the boss or social situations or example what could bring by about what is kind of a temporary anxiety. And that's the lower end of the anxiety spectrum. However, the anxiety spectrum moves to more dramatic levels. This is where you have GAD. It's known as generalized anxiety disorder. You have obsessive compulsive disorder fits right here in this section of the spectrum. You have a panic disorder or agoraphobia. You have post-traumatic stress disorder. You have phobias. And if you thought you were safe so far, here's the, here I got gotcha. you. Perfectionism is a part of the anxiety spectrum. Oh, I almost got out clean. But he shot me right at the last moment with that perfectionism. Uh, you know, perfectionism is some of the worst stress I've ever had in my life. That compulsion, compulsion to be perfect. My goodness. That is a part of the anxiety spectrum. And these can be crushing and debilitating. Bringing a sense of dread. They can cause your body to change like shortness of breath. An elevated heart rate. The feeling that walls are closing in. With high levels anxiety, you can't function in normal capacity. Can I get an amen? You know it's true. My goodness. I want you to imagine with me that you are driving your car. Everybody imagining, even if, even if you're under the age of 16, I want you to imagine that you're driving a car for a moment. You're driving the car, and then there's this beautiful little light. It's usually orange that lights up on your dashboard. Anybody know about this light? It's really pretty. You look on your dashboard, and it says, check engine, and it's just really pretty. Anybody ever seen that? Isn't it just a beautiful thing? Every time that lights up in my car, I'm like, hooray, hooray. Oh, no. Does anybody ever feel dread? When that happens, it's like, oh, God, what is it now? <laughs> uh, just like, oh, Lord, help me. All right. <laughs> this check engine light alerts you that something's not right with your car. And everyone said, duh, duh, right, duh. I want to tell you that anxiety and fear is like a check engine light. Your body, your brain, will alert you that is something that something's not right in your surroundings or in yourself for example if you're walking at night maybe in the woods or maybe just to throw out the trash before the trash comes in the morning at some ungodly hour and you know you're not going to get up in time to go do it personal story so you're out there in the dark and you're just minding your own business and then you hear, you heard a little shuffle. You heard a little, you heard a what little footsteps or something. And there's something in your body, a little check engine light signal hits your heart. It's like, what is going on? Something's not right. There is something around here. Maybe I'm not 
safe. Maybe you start to feel uneasy. Your heart rate starts already to go. I remember one such time I was taking out the trash and I, I, I was throwing out that trash and I thought I heard something and then I was like, oh my gosh, it is a mountain lion. It is a mountain lion. In the middle of Richardson, I was like, <laughs> Richardson, at the, that's right. In the very middle of Richardson, Texas, there is a mountain lion and it is now stalking me. I'm like, you're okay, you're okay. You're just walk a little faster. And by the time I got back to my condo, I was on a dead sprint. I reached that door. I realized it's probably at the last moment that it's going to get you. So you better rush. And I get that door. I just swing it open. I close it in. I'm like, ah, oh. And Sarah's like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, just exercising, babe. Just trying to get the body in shape. I know I had this big honking check engine light going on. He was telling me, you better do something. Something is not right in your surroundings. Your body can tell you that you might not be safe in a situation and that you need to carefully check it out. Now, imagine with me, we're back in the car and we're driving. And the check engine light comes on. But now, this time, it's not coming on because something is wrong in your surroundings right now. It's not telling you uh, something's wrong right now and you need to go. It's a little different in this imagination. Right now, that check engine light comes on and it says, you might run out of gas two weeks from now. Worry about it. And your oil, your oil, you might, you might need to change that later this year. Worry about it now. And, oh, oh, alarm, alarm, signal. Look out, look out, look out, because there's something wrong with your, name something in the car? Cigarette lighter. Your cigarette lighter is totally busted. It will not charge your phone, maybe in three years. My point, you, you get the point, there is a difference in something's wrong now and something might be wrong in the future. But here's the deal. Your brain receives both signals the same way. Some experience, some people with anxiety experience a continual check engine light alert even when there's nothing going on wrong when nothing's wrong they still get that alert look out you could run out of gas next week you might have a bad conversation with somebody next month you got to look out because something could happen next year with our politics and these these alerts these signals these check engine lights are flashing in your brain I want to tell you it is useful to feel a heightened stress because something's wrong in the present. That is actually useful. God built you that way to have a fear in the moment of fight or flight and you go to action. But there is a damaging, continual reception of an alert of worry and fear even when there's nothing wrong. And that's what we call anxiety. Think for a moment about your check engine light that's going off in your brain all the time. 
Is it alerting you that something's wrong right now in the moment? Or is it crippling you with a fear that something in the future, something outside of the realm of your control is going to happen? Identify what kind of check engine light is dinging right now in your head. And that'll tell you if it's useful or if it's harmful. And please be honest with yourself. And if it's harmful, you ought to just say, well, I'm coming to the altar today. You got me, Pastor. I'm going to be down there. And I'll pray with you. And you pray with me. And we'll try to get the right, the, the right check engine lights turned off. How about that? Anybody okay with that? Oh, y'all got quiet on me. Wherever you may be on the spectrum of anxiety, I want you to know two things. They're real two things. You got to know them. You got to know them. Number one, God cares. Number two, we care. No matter what kind of anxiety you're feeling, whatever kind that alert is, whatever it may be. I want to tell you, you can talk to God about all your fears. It says that you can cast all your... Very good. We'll try it again. We'll get full participation. You can cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. And you can talk to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will rejoice with those who rejoice. And we will mourn with those who mourn. Romans 12, 15. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He will help us to bind up the broken hearted. That's why God gave you the Spirit. We would bind each other's wounds. Our broken hearts would be bound by brothers and sisters in the Lord by the Spirit. That's Luke 4.18. Now there are examples of people in your Bible who experienced anxiety. I'm going to get you one today. His name is Jehoshaphat. Everyone say Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 2, 20 is where we're going today. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was the fourth king of Judah. This is the part of your Bible that always gets kind of confusing because Israel gets cut in half. And you have a northern kingdom and you have a southern kingdom. Judah is now the southern kingdom. And he is the fourth king of Judah. He is known as one of the best kings because he is so faithful to God. And we're going to read verse 1 of 2 Chronicles 20. You know, if he's one of the best kings and he's so faithful to God, I bet he was just highly blessed and favored and never had a problem. What do y'all think? Let's read verse 1. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Millionites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. I had to laugh to myself this study, my, my study time. I, it, the scripture says, after this. And what's this? We don't even know what really this is. It's just his story is just unfolding very fast. And then suddenly after this. Don't you know that life comes at you fast? And you get through one problem and you're like, finally I'm through with that problem. You turn around and suddenly you have an after this problem. <laughs> I so I tried so hard to get past this, but then after this, 
Yikes. I woke up the next day and I have this phone call and, and I got this text and I got this email and I was minding my own business and the IRS sent me a love letter. You get through one problem, then you're met with another problem. You barely have time to breathe. It reminds me where Job said this. He says, life is short and full of trouble. I got to tell you, Job was not wrong. Life is short, and it's just an after this and after this and after this kind of problem. Life comes that fast at you. But Jehoshaphat is met with not one problem, but three problems. He had three big armies worth of problems. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, they were coming to wish Jehoshaphat a happy kingship. They were wishing him a happy birthday. You know, they said, fall is so beautiful in Jerusalem this time of year. We've come. Why do you think they've come? They've come to kill this dude. <laughs> he, they are coming to destroy him. They are coming to pillage, burn everything down to the ground. There will be so much bloodshed. They're coming for Jehoshaphat and his kingdom. And here he was, faithful to God. Here he was, a good king. Imagine the anxiety he must have felt. Who thinks he felt some anxiety? I know you can imagine it because life works like that for you. You have just, wave your hand if you just got past the problem. All right? Wave your hand if you've already got another problem and it's like right there. This is your story, so pay attention. The car broke down. Kids are having trouble in school. Someone's sick. Your boss is a jerk. You made the mistake of watching the evening news. Nothing's going right. And it's Monday. All of these things are just, they coming at you, they coming at you, they coming at you. When life hits hard, you know what it does? It sends a signal. Your brain receives a signal. And that check engine light tells you that something's not right. And you need to take your car to an expert. I want to tell you that there are three things your anxiety is, experience, is signaling to you today. Three things. Here's number one. Your check engine light is telling you you need to pray. You need to pray. When you don't know what to do with your car, you take it to someone who does know. Right? There's something that happens to my car. I am immediately on the phone with my father-in-law. I'm like Barney. You know, you're my favorite person. And he's like, what's wrong with your car now? I'm like, I'm so glad, you know, you would just bring that up. You know, actually, there's this, there's this code I just got from O'Reilly's. And it says this, this is, this is our, our example right here. In prayer, we are taking the things that we don't understand, the things that are too complex, the things that aren't working, the things that are confusing us. And the things that we're worrying about with the future, we're taking them and we take them to someone who knows better than we do. Who thinks God knows a little better than we don't? The old song says, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. My favorite line, here it comes. But I know who holds tomorrow. And I know he holds 
my hand. Ooh. Life's like that sometimes. You better, you better go to the one who holds tomorrow. Yeah. You better make sure your life is in his hands because he knows a little better than we know about our problems. When Jehoshaphat received word of three armies on the way to kill him, his anxiety signaled the need to pray. Verse 3, 2 Chronicles 20. Jehoshaphat was terrified, somebody say terrified, by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. He was terrified. The anxiety the king felt signaled to him that he needed to talk to God. So he prayed. Here's his prayer, verse 6. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Verse 9, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague of famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us and save us. What a great prayer. But you know what also is a great prayer I've used? Uh, get ready for eloquence. Here it is. Dear Lord. Help! I've used that one a lot. I need help! God, I don't know what to do. Anybody ever pray that prayer? I'm telling you, God answers that prayer too. It's not all about the fancy words. It's not about all what you say. If you call out to God for help, He hears from heaven and He comes and He saves. Anybody a witness of it? Prayer is powerful. And I have many scriptures that I could go through in your Bible. We could put them up here and say, and I could point to say, look at the power of prayer. It's in the Bible. But instead, I'm not going to quote the Bible today. I'm going to quote. A scientist. Somebody point, push up your nerd glasses, even if they're imaginary. Push them up. We're going to quote a scientist, all right? Dr. Caroline Leaf is an author. She's a communication pathologist and a cognitive neuroscientist. And she gives this quote. She says, it has been found that 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan. 12 minutes a day for eight weeks can bring measurable change to your brain, to your mind, to your thoughts. You do remember where all your anxiety is coming from, right? You do remember where all your negative thoughts are coming from, right? You know where your fear comes from, right? It does not come from your ankle. It comes from right here. And if you want to change prayer, focus prayer that is consistent over time can measurably, physically change your brain. Have you ever heard the phrase, prayer changes things? You ever hear that phrase? I want to tell you, prayer does change things. Not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but prayer 
changes the chemistry of your brain. What is most exciting about this is this thing that you might have missed right here. Your brain can change. That's the most exciting thing here. If your brain is a certain way, it doesn't always have to be that way. The thoughts that have captured you don't always have to capture you. That circus wheel going around and around with the hamster on it, right? All the time, that doesn't have to stay that way. Your brain is not fixed and static. Your brain can change and it changes all the time. This is called neuroplasticity. Can you say neuroplasticity? The concept of changing your brain through forming neuron connections and patterns. We talked about that last week. You can go listen to that again or for the first time if you missed it. If your mind is always going to the wrong place, then it's time to change your mind. It's time to change your brain. And you can do that through prayer. I'm not just talking about they, they prayed and they felt a little different about things. I'm telling you that they actually were scanning the brain and it changed as they prayed. Let's get a little more scientific. Everyone say amygdala. It would be a beautiful girl's name or a boy's name. Amygdala. Amygdala fluid. Anyone? The amygdala is an almond-shaped cluster in your brain. It's not very big. It's actually a very small part of your brain. And science hypothesizes, they have to hypothesize because when it comes to the brain, there's so much we don't know. We're like, we think this does that, and this is that. But this is the leading thought, is that this amygdala, this small cluster, of cells in your brain is the fear center of your brain. Look how small it is. This is the part of your brain that is always sending you the check engine light. And you that have anxiety reoccurring, turning over and crippling you. And this is it. This is what is sending it over and over and over again. This is the part of your brain that can become a constant worry and fear signal sender. When we struggle with anxiety, we end up dwelling in this small part of our brain. If you want to be controlled by fear, you are living in one of the smallest parts of your brain. Do you realize that the small things in life can bring such big results? And do you see right now in this example that if you live in fear, you are living in a small place. It's no mistake that when people are worried, they feel all the walls closing in on them. And they have fewer options about them. Everything becomes smaller and smaller. We end up dwelling only in the small part of our brain. I think that's a shame, don't you? When God gave you such a big, big brain. You are a big brained kind of person. You should not be spending your whole life on the small, small almond sized part of your brain. Fear always makes us dwell in smaller places. Do you hear that? Fear always makes us dwell 
in smaller places. The Greek word for fear is most seen in the New Testament. It is merinao. Merinao. Everybody say merinao. Try to say it. All right. Merinao literally means dwelling or pondering on fearful, anxious thoughts. It doesn't mean to just think about something scary. It means you live in the fear of it. You dwell in the fear of it. You go ahead and camp right in the center of the fear and you dwell there. You rehearse what could go wrong over and over again. Conversations that have never happened. You're having them right there. Amygdala size space. But that's where you live. And that's the only place you go. Connecting neurons and patterns. And then we wonder why we're anxious all the time. We have built this to be the super center part of our brain. The amygdala. Merimnao. Dwelling or pondering on fearful and anxious I want to tell you it's natural to think about what could go wrong. But I want to tell you, but prayer is supernatural. It's not natural. It's beyond the supernatural. If you want to get out of the amygdala, if you're caught in that fear center, you can't get out. I want to tell you, you need to get out of a natural place. You need to get in a supernatural place. And I can think of no better way than prayer. Peter says, I will not dwell in the small place of fear. Prayer says that. I will not dwell in the small place of fear. But you know what prayer does? Prayer rehearses. Like fear rehearses? Prayer rehearses. What does prayer rehearse? Prayer rehearses what God has done. Prayer rehearses what God has promised. And prayer rehearses by faith what God will do. What's your rehearsal time looking like? Are you rehearsing in fear? Or are you rehearsing in prayer? Prayer rehearses what God has said about us. You know what He said about us? Sometimes you got to just rehearse these things. Anybody want to rehearse with me? Me, 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 me. Let's rehearse. Here we go. We are more than conquerors. Uh, we are victorious. We are loved. We are forgiven. We are free. We are strong. We are sons and daughters. Clap your hands if you believe it. Rehearse that. So what happens? Well, you've got these thoughts of what other people have said about you. You have these thoughts about what could happen. You've got thoughts about things that would probably never happen, but you're so nervous about them. You know what prayer does? Prayer breaks that cycle. It breaks the cycle of the amygdala anxiety loop. And we no longer meditate on fear. We no longer dwell in fear. You know where we dwell? We dwell in the goodness of God. We rehearse the goodness of God. We breathe in and breathe out His goodness. We say, all my life you have been faithful. You know, you can't feel worse after singing that song. All my life you have been so, so good with every breath, with every breath that I am able. I'm going to sing, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. I'm telling you, that breaks very 
physical patterns and cycles that are in your brain. I believe they're also spiritual. I believe it breaks those patterns. I break it. I believe it breaks strongholds in your life. But at the very least, science is telling you it breaks patterns. And it will change your life to dwell on the goodness of the Lord. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to tell you, you can't meditate on fear and God at the same time. It's time to break that pattern. Meditate not on fear. Get out of that amygdala. 2 Chronicles 20 and 12, looking on. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. This is what Jehoshaphat says. We have no power in ourselves to face this vast army that is attacking us. Attacking us. We do not know what to do. But look. But our eyes are on you. What is he saying this? I can't handle this. But I'm looking to you God. What's he saying? I don't know what to do. But God you do. God I don't know the strategy I should take. I don't know what speech I should give. I don't know where to go and hide. But God I'm looking to you. My eyes are on you. He could have just been out by the, by the wall of his kingdom going, do I see the people that are coming to kill me yet? Oh, and just focus on his fear. But no, he says, I'm not going to focus on that. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. My eyes are on you. Check engine light sends a signal to you. And that signal is you need to pray. You might need to take this into an expert. Fear is a signal that we need to pray and we need to take this problem to God. Whatever your problem is tonight, take it to God. Take it to God. Pray to Him. Give it to Him. Say, I don't know what to do. This vast army is too big for me. But God, my eyes, they are on you. So you pray. But then what? Well, if you're anything like me, you give it to God. And then you quickly take it back because he's too slow. You give it to God and you go, yeah, but I, I need to control this. And I need to get, I need to do things. That, anybody? That's what we do. If you're anything like me, anybody a little bit like me, I pray for you. If you're like me, I pray for you. So what is this telling us? That is the check engine light. And it says you need to. Pause. It's sending a signal that you need to pray, but it's also sending a signal that says you need to just chill out for a moment and pause. Finish this sentence for me. Don't just stand there. Do something, right? Absolutely, right? But God would sometimes say this. Don't just do something. Stand there. And see the salvation of God. Stand still. And know. That I am God. Just stop for a moment. Stop trying to do something. Stop running around. And crying all the time. And thinking. And wallowing. And repeating. And saying it out loud. And, and being all alone. Stop all that stuff. Stop 
doing something. Stop trying to take care of everything. Stop trying to do something and just pause for a moment. Breathe for a moment. Just exist for a moment. Second Chronicles 20, verse 12 through 13. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Verse 13, this is amazing. All the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. All of them, it says. They're all there. And they just stood there. But there are three armies on their way. What are we doing? We're standing here before the Lord Almighty. But these people have weapons. They have trains. Just pause for a moment. We need to come up with a defense or a surrender. Or maybe we just give him our king and stop and kill him. Our eyes are on the Lord. They just stood there. Those people are on their way, but they just stood there for a moment. That's so counterintuitive. Everything in your brain is saying, freak out, run around, scream, <laughs> blame someone, be angry. But turn that signal off and instead respond by standing, being still, pausing. You've prayed, now pause. Now, Pastor, you know I love you, but are you saying that we just pray and pause and then God just heals us of anxiety? Sometimes He does. You listen to me. Sometimes He does. Sometimes He fixes things in our way of thinking. Yes, I am saying that. Sometimes He does. Y'all get me on that? Sometimes he does make a way right there and it's instant. I've had God change my thoughts in a moment. I've had God heal me in a moment. I've had those wonderful experiences where I've seen God do that in people in a moment. However, sometimes the word of God comes into your thoughts in those moments and it takes you through a process. Sometimes it takes a little bit. Sometimes it's not miraculous in the moment. Sometimes it's healing over time. Sometimes God comes into your thoughts and begins to slowly renew your thoughts. And sometimes it takes a while of you breaking patterns that are in your mind and slowly God rewires you, renews your mind sometimes. And sometimes it is a process where he directs you and guides you towards healthy steps. And some of those steps are easier than others and some of them are harder than others. And you might get past some steps in a day and you might spend half a year getting through other steps. And sometimes God directs you to new friends or even a counselor. And together you explore root causes 
for these fears. Root causes for these issues. And you look at them and you try to change the way you see the situation. And sometimes a prescribed medicine might help you normalize your brain. And sometimes God reveals unhealthy diets and habits and we repent of them and we make positive changes. Sometimes it's not instant. And there is nothing wrong with you if you have to struggle for a little bit and it takes some time to get healthy. That's nothing wrong with you. It's a process. It's a process. Keep walking the process and you'll find the peace that you need. What I do know is that when you pray and you pause, you are breaking unhealthy patterns in your mind. Somebody say, yeah, if I'm right. While they waited in that moment, standing before the Lord, eyes on the Lord, it says the Spirit of the Lord came upon a man named Jehaziel, and he began to speak. Verse 15, he said, Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. We sing a song about that all the time, right? The battle's not yours, it's God's. Verse 17, go out and face Him, the Lord, and the Lord, go out and face Him tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Don't be anxious. Why? The battle is the Lord's. And when you face the struggle, He will be with you. Now they prayed, and they paused, but they still had a struggle in front of them. Take a moment. Breathe that in. You're going to pray and you're going to pause today and you might still have a struggle ahead of you. That's okay. That's all right. The Lord's going to be with you in the struggle. Your anxiety is sending you a signal that it's time to pray. It's time to pause. And here's the third one. Praise. Somebody say praise. This story takes an unexpected turn here if you've ever read it. You know what's coming. If you don't know what's coming, you're like, huh? Say what? You're joking? Here it is. In in this, in Jehoshaphat's uh, situation, you and me would have sent the biggest, buffest, and strongest out to the battle. Me, I'm sending out Courtney. Right? But maybe, Sarah, yeah, listen, <laughs> But, but let's get real. We would have sent out Rambo, the Terminator, right? Jason Bourne, Captain America, the Hulk, Wonder Woman, John Wick, and some Jedi ninjas out to meet the army. That's who we would choose. But King Jehoshaphat sent out a choir of singers. No sword, no shield, voices. No guns, no bullets, no arrows. Worship. Verse 21, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise Him for the splendor of His holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, Give thanks to the Lord for His love endures forever. to ask our worship team to come. As they began to sing praise to God, God Himself 
fought their battle. Do you all know what happens? Y'all don't know? If you don't know, listen up because I want you to remember it for the rest of your life. And I'm so happy to be the one that gets to tell you this is what happened. When they began to worship God, the three armies got confused. And they start to fight one another. And they kill one another. And they're just singing. They haven't thrown a sword. They haven't done a ninjutsu move. They haven't done that. They have not done Krav Maga. They have not done any of those things. And they, they began to worship God because He's good and His mercy endures forever. And God confused the armies that were against Him so bad that they end up self-destructing. And all three of those armies perished that day. There were no more problems in front of them because God Himself fought their battle. I want you to see that they were completely delivered. Now listen. They praised God before their deliverance. They worshipped Him and they said He is good. Even when they were worried about dying. I don't know what's in front of you. You've got loss staring you in the face. But I encourage you to sing about the goodness of God. I want you to sing that God is good and His mercy endures forever. And praise Him before the deliverance. He is worthy of the praise before the miracle. He is worthy of the praise before the provision. He is worthy of the praise before the blessing. Before even your anxiety is gone, you can praise the Lord. Will you praise the Lord tonight? Will you praise the Lord? People online, I don't know what struggle you're fighting with, but right there, wherever you are, Will you praise Him? Your anxiety is sending you signals, but we are going to respond differently to those signals from now on, from now on, from now on, from now on. When we have this signal, we're going to praise. We are going to pause. And we are going to praise. Pray, pause, praise. Will you say it? Prayer, pray, pause. Praise. We started with that scripture that said not to be anxious. And remember, I asked, is that even possible? Now let's read the full verse together. We're coming to a close. Verse 4 of Philippians 4 Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. Now it continues. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, verse 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There's so much there, isn't there? What am I saying? I'm saying that you shouldn't ever worry. You should never have fear. No. I'm saying that you should rewire your brain. 
to how you respond to those signals. And when that fear comes into you, you should respond in a way that says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When those thoughts of negativity come into you, you need to reverse that signal. Start creating new patterns that say, no, I'm going to give this to God and then I'm going to wait a moment and see what He does. When that, when that signal comes to you, you're going to take a moment and you're going to actively praise God in advance of the victory. Your anxiety is a signal. What will you do with that signal? Will you dwell in fear? Merim now? Will you dwell in that small little place of fear in your brain? Or will you go to a very large place where God is? Will you pray? Will you pause? Will you praise? These altars are open right now. Does anybody want to make a move tonight? Anybody want freedom tonight? Anybody want to just give it a try? Let's do it in this place. I pray right now for everybody watching, listening online. I pray for my brothers and sisters out there. Lord God, help us to see things differently. Help us to respond differently. Help us to create new patterns, new habits in our life, God. In Jesus' name, help us to pray right now in this moment. Oh, friend, God answers the help me prayer. It's not eloquent, but it gets the job done. Right where you are, why don't you just say, God, I need your help. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. The army's too big for me, but here I am. I'm looking unto you, God. I'm looking to you. Oh, will you just then take a moment to pause and will you let God begin to rework some things in you? Will you spend some time praising Father, in Jesus' name, if you have been struggling with fear and anxiety, I want to pray with you tonight. Can we pray together? Will you let me have the honor of praying with you? If that's, if that's what you want, I want it. Please come in the first two feet of this altar today. I want to pray with you. They're going to sing. Let's give God these next moments in Jesus' name. For more information about redemption, look us up online at redemption-church.com. We want to hear from you, so be sure to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or even our anonymous question text line at 214-856-0550.